Tired of your current situation? Well, you need the energy drink that everybody's talking about. Nostalgia. Nostalgia is a barely FDA-approved energy drink that fills you with the boost you need to drive by your old neighborhood and stomach the memories. The only energy drink that allows you to mentally and spiritually unpack your desolate childhood. One sip, and you'll finally understand why your dad said that fucked up shit to you on the front porch. Nostalgia is made from all natural ingredients, part Capri Sun and part the leftover milk from a bowl of Fruity Pebbles. Pick up a can of Nostalgia and face your heart-wrenching past today. What's up, people? It's your boy, co-host, comedian, writer, actor, Joel Boyd. Welcome back to the show. High Power is the podcast where everybody comes on and tries to find the best versions of themselves. And uh, y'all are doing it too. And we we see you, man. Today, we got a great episode, man. We got comedian, writer, filmmaker, Niles Abstin. He's on the rise. He's a writer for Dave on FX Comedy Central stand-up. Vulture calls him a comedian you should know this year. And uh, he puts out an amazing podcast with some of his homies weekly on Mondays. You had to be here. He just dropped a special last year. and He's got another one, a new special that's coming out entitled Household Names. So keep up with Niles Abstin on IG at The Niles Abstin Show. And uh, this is an amazing conversation. I'm, I'm really trying to save time because the conversation's so good. So I'm just going to get into the show. All right. Welcome to High Power. <laughs> But no, I think just end of the year, I think I'm just going to, after this one show that I'm going to produce next month, I'm just going to get off and just write and just think and just be for the end of the year. Also, man, I hope this episode airs before Christmas because me and my girl have been talking about Christmas, bro. And just like, why we have to spend this money, bro? Like... When you really, really oh, think about it. No. When you really, really think about it, bro. Especially for black people. Yes, I'm listening. For the disadvantaged, for the disenfranchised, yeah. for the people who don't even got it anyway. Yeah. Wait, why is there this big social contract that we've all agreed on as a country that literally puts all of us in financial strengths to start next year, to the end of this year, where you could put money? Like, I, I was literally thinking, like, I was like, baby. Why the fuck would I throw a gift, even though I appreciate my family so much, I should be giving them my time. I should be giving them, like, my energy. I should be, like, donating, like, when I go home, I should be giving my body up as much as I possibly can, like, cleaning. Or, oh, mom, don't even worry about that. I'm going to fix that. I'm, let me, and my, me and big bro go handle that. Blah, blah, blah. You ain't cut the grass yet? Okay, I'm home. Let's do it. Like... And for my little cousins and, and my, you know, my nieces and stuff, I'm like, it don't make sense for me to buy you something material. It don't make any fucking sense for us as black people. We need to be, why did not, like, I had these godparents when I was a kid. They used to buy me, and I didn't understand when I was a kid, but I knew it was cool, but I didn't understand it at the time. They would buy me Disney stock when I was like 12, 13. Every year they'd be like, hey, we bought you another share in Disney stock. And they would hand me a little certificate. And I was like, yo. That's what we need to be doing for my little cousins, for, like, everybody who's coming up after us. Like, where can I really put my money? Where can I really, like, it all, it, it's, 
I think we have to let go of like putting things in a box and wrapping it up in a bow because it's just material shit mm. that either the kid's going to outgrow or not right. use yeah. or don't even like it. Mm. Or you just buying shit just because it's the social contract. Mm. So I'm like, bro, fuck that. I don't know how we're going to do it this year. Me and her trying to buy property next year. Like, we just looking ahead. I'm like, bro, we need to put our money. This Christmas shit don't make fucking sense. Put the money, whatever gifts that we're giving, invest. Invest in each other. Invest in ourselves. Because, like, just doing this round-the-clock cycle, it's a fucking cycle. Every year we get, bro- we get broke. We strap during Christmas time. It don't make no fucking sense, bro. And people crying because they can't afford gifts. You're, I mean, you're absolutely what right. What the fuck? I mean, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think for kids, the only reason why we get it is so they don't get made fun of other kids when they go back and be like, what you get for Christmas? Yeah, A yeah, piece yeah. of paper that says Disney? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I, I, but for adults, for significant others, if especially when you guys are living together, y'all know what the money game is. So it's just mm-hmm. like, I mean, get each other a nice pair of jacket or jeans and then call it a day, bro. Like, and then have a good dinner. I don't know. I'm always kind of broke during Christmas time. Not... Yeah, during Black Friday, I always feel like I'm always like, damn, I can't get anything this year, bro. I'm just strapped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I bought my sister, what'd she say? Like in a, just in a passing conversation, she's like, I wish I had a record player. I bought my sister a record player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She never uses the record player. Mm-hmm. She'll mm-hmm. hear this podcast. She'll be like, I'll use it. I'll be like, no, you don't. I went <laughs> to your house. It's dusty. It's dusty, it's baby. Dusty. And I was just like, I bought you a record player thinking you would use this record player. So for now, for Christmas, I'll buy everyone flowers because I know there's an expiration date on it. I think everyone's, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers for Christmas. <laughs> we got a great guest for y'all. Wow. I mean, just to get this man in the room was a uh, a feat. He had a bad Uber driver today and I had to get his ass off the street. Uh, but it was great. Great energy, man. Niles Abstin, comedian, writer, filmmaker. Um, he's a writer for Dave on FX. You've seen him on Comedy Central stand-up. Um, he has a new special. He does all his stuff independent, man, so please support the man. He's, uh, one of the young legends, bro. Very soon, his special will be dropping entitled Household Name, and you can find it on his YouTube. Follow him on Instagram at The Niles Abstin Show. And then on Twitter, he's always on Twitter, man. That's where most of his fans are, so if you're a Twitter head, uh, follow him at Niles100. Um, so right after this commercial break, we'll be having a, a pretty amazing conversation with Niles Epson. When I wake up in the morning, what's the first thing I do? I grab a cup of coffee. But, you know, it's like I, I want to immediately contribute to the world in a positive way. So how do I do that? You know what I do? I buy my coffee from California Coffee Company. I mean, it's it's a no-brainer. They're a Black-owned, culturally-connected coffee and lifestyle brand. Their products taste amazing. It's freshly ground, roasted coffee. They have all types of flavors that are just exactly what you need in the morning. They are young. They are doing it. They're reclaiming the culture through coffee, through teaching everybody that follows their movement about culture, class, and confidence. And, and, and truly, they are letting people know where the true origins of coffee came from. Did you know that the coffee bean originates from Ethiopia? Did you know that? Enslaved black folks established the coffee industry in South and Central America. But when people think of coffee, they don't really think about black folks. 
you know, in, in its origins. But 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 they are here to change that. You guys are out there and you're drinking your coffee every day. I'm telling you where you got to go. You got to go to CaliCoffee.co. That's CaliCoffee.co, the California Coffee Company. And you're going to use our discount code POWERPOD for 15% off your coffee purchase. They ship nationwide and you can get your coffee and maybe some of their apparel at calicoffee.co. You can follow them on Instagram at the Cali Coffee and they are going to hook you up and let you know that tasting is believing. They're telling a new story about people of color through the world's most beloved beverage. That's California Coffee Company. Go ahead, type in your code at calicoffee.co. California Coffee Company. When okay, do you do you do you feel like when when do you give yourself a break? I feel like you're always when do I give myself a break? Everywhere. When, when I go to sleep at night. That's when you that's when you when Niles is on yeah. a break is when yeah. he people is ask asleep. me all the time, do I sleep? I sleep. When you're asleep. Yeah. When I'm but when I'm awake, it's time to do some shit, man. Yeah. What else is there to do? Sit around and watch TV? Yeah. You just wanna I just wanna do shit. Like, yeah. And it don't have, it don't even always have to be work. It's like I want to go see my friends. I want to go do something. But I feel like as a creative person, you're kind of always working in a way. Because mm-hmm. like I could just be walking here and like a movie you've been writing like, oh, now nah, that would be dope if I did that. Let me probably type this in my phone real quick. That mm-hmm. was my work for the day. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm always doing something. But uh, I think with like like performing, like I'm definitely about to give myself like a, a long break though. Yeah. That shit is draining. Yeah, it is. Especially when you're like, especially when you're doing like hours everywhere and going to these different cities and like, mm-hmm. I was just in Delaware on Friday, like all the traveling and shit. It just takes a toll on you after it a while. That's yeah, so. and that's what the thing I, I like. You never really realize that, I guess, unless until you get in that game exactly, and you're like doing it, yeah. and then you're like, dude, it was already hard enough for me to get to this city, and now I don't even. I'm do exhausted, it. Yeah. and I got to get on stage and give myself. And a lot of those days, you get there day of and shit. I hate that. I hate that <laughs> oh, day yeah, over the show. That's the worst. Yeah. So, yeah, doing, I did it. I toured, I funded my own tours 2021 and 2022. Mm-hmm. So I just, I'm just trying to chill for a little bit. Yeah. That's crazy as fuck. It was worth it though. Yeah. When why you say it's that? worth it, why? Uh, Because I got a, a new special out of it. Because out here, in, if you're a comedian out here in LA, you know like how hard it is, one, to get spots. I had a special. A whole hour special out that was doing well on the internet and got a whole fan base, and it was still hard for me to get spots out here and, mm. and get booked and shit. Mm-hmm. And then when you do get booked, you're doing eight minutes or less. What the fuck is that? Yeah. When you're actually funny, what is eight minutes or less? If you're funny, you fuck around for eight minutes and say something yeah. funny. You know what I'm saying? Like, how am I gonna really work on a set? So I, I basically, I realized I, I had this audience on the internet. So I just literally looked at the analytics and was like, what cities fuck with me the most? Mm -hmm. And so I went there and I'm like, well, now I can do as long as I want. It's my show. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I uh, developed a new hour set was just going to these different cities and working on what works and throwing out what didn't. Mm -hmm. And so like what the hour looked like, the first time I did it was August 2021 and probably 20 minutes of it is still there that that Mm -hmm. taped in July of 2022. So, mm-hmm. like, it was just a year of just figuring it out in all these different places and stuff. So, I, I was only able to do that out of town. You can't really do that in LA. Yeah. The, what, what happened with you? With why I work hard? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't ever want to go back to Mississippi with, if I don't want to. Uh-huh. That shit is, ugh. 
I mean, it's that, and I and I see it. Like I like I'll be out here, and I see the people that call themselves artists, and they don't really put much into their shit. And then I'll be like, "Where are you from?" Or like, "What you do?" And I'm like, "Oh, you got a backup yeah. plan or whatever." Yeah. Like for yeah. me, like that, this is it. Like I I don't have no like. Mm-hmm. Well, I can always fall back on this. I didn't finish college. Mm-hmm. I don't have any real life skills at all. What did you study when you were there? Uh, social work. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, that makes sense for you. I can yeah. see that. I can see that too. I can see that with you. The shit you talk about on stage. All right, and... writing the pilot now, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Like my one of my favorite indie movies of all time is it's about social work. It's called Short Term Twelve. It's really good. Uh huh. Brie Larson. But yeah, it's oh. it's always interesting when that shit's put on TV and movies and stuff. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I majored in social work. I wanted to be like a family counselor, work with kids, that kind of thing. Yeah. I wanted to be a teacher at first. I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher, but. I had a lot of um, a lot of women in my family who were teachers, like grandma, mom, everybody, mm-hmm. and they didn't want me to be a teacher because they don't make any money. Yeah, salary. so I dropped out of college and became a stand-up comic because that's so lucrative, you know. <laughs> so at school, were you like, were you cutting up? Like, what was going on? Like, um, no, actually, that's the thing. As a kid, I was very like reserved. I'm actually writing a movie about this right now, uh-huh. but like, uh, as a kid, I was very reserved. I didn't really talk much. Uh like outside of uh just being like one on one with a couple friends. Like okay. I didn't really I was kinda pretty shy and stuff. Yeah. Um and I was usually in spaces where I was literally I was like either the only black kid or like Really? Or or like one of few. Were unless, you like in uh private school or something? Yeah. Holy shit. Because yeah. I know yeah, Jackson's like a pretty black exactly city, right? So that's the thing. So during the week, I was with all these white people, and then on the weekends, I was with nothing but black people. Okay, like at church, and oh, just, like family, friends, sense. and stuff. So I learned how to like code switch yeah. very early, and okay. like without even really knowing what I was doing. Yeah, it was just more of like your brain's like, "This is how you do it here to survive. Mm-hmm. This is how you do it there to survive." And so it's just like it's weird to like be doing that at five years old. Were you f- were you uh, funny in both crowds? Yes. Yeah. And so I think that has a lot to do with like how I am now. Um, yeah. But also it was like, like in the like the white when I was in the white uh, spaces, it was uh, I didn't talk much or do much because it was uh, I would get in trouble a lot just off the rip. Like the teachers would just like yeah. I was the only black person, so it's just like it was very easy for me to get in trouble like all the time. Yeah. Because uh, they they overreact to the things you do and all this kind of stuff, so I would get in trouble off of that. It's just like think about it: it's white women in their middle ages that are already racist. Mm-hmm. So then now you have a black kid in your class and he's the only one there. God, dude, sit down, Emmett Till. Yeah, you do the math. And I'm in Mississippi, too. Because it's like like one of those things, at the time, as a kid, I don't know what racism is to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. I know, like, everybody gets to talk or whatever, but, like, you don't really know the manifestations of it. But, Mm -hmm. like, I would just be like, as a kid, I'd be like, man, like, my teacher kind of picks on me a little bit. Like, I'm always getting in trouble. Mm -hmm. I'm always getting yelled at. This is kind of weird. And then you grow up. You see, like, this Trump shit and all these guys. Because, like, Trump, like, the Trumpers, Trump supporters have always been around. They mm-hmm. just haven't had a thing they could wrap their identity around. Mm-hmm. And there was no Facebook for them to say shit all the time. So, like, oh, yeah. a lot of that stuff was just either in their head or when they were just with other white people. So, a lot of people, like, where I'm from, they were like, man, I didn't know so-and-so was racist till they got a Facebook. And so, because mm-hmm. a lot of these things were, like, very subtle. So, like, as a wow. kid. That's so true. Right. So you don't know that till then. So imagine me growing up in all these spaces with these like white women and white men and that are in the middle. And so like you don't see their opinions until mm-hmm. you're older and it's on Facebook and shit. 
But his whole entire time, it's like, oh, you were treating me like that because you was racist. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. I just thought I was a kid getting in trouble all the time and fucking up. I was like, no, like you hate black people. Wow. And there was a black child in your classroom, so you were able to use your the power yeah. you have in that system to do things to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so it's just like I didn't realize that until I was older. You know, mm-hmm. so it's just it's definitely been a lot to like process. Like, wow, I was just in these spaces where but it was, but it was. That's what's fucking fucked up about it, because it was it was so subliminal and and slight. It, it was is what I feel like you're saying, right? So that so much so that you didn't really have to bring it up to your parents, exactly. Because you know how black parents, you know how black parents are. Don't do nothing. I have to come up there or whatever. Yeah. You come home complaining about the teacher. Most black parents are just like, well, you need to respect and authority, right. especially if you come up in a religious in yeah. the South. It's well, you need to respect authority and listen and do all this shit. And I'm like, I'm doing that. You're not listening to me. No one, mm-hmm. no one listens to children. That's like a new thing. Yeah, like people are just now listening to children, which is like. A and big children thing. are the most pure, honest. Exactly. They don't have room for bullshit. No, they don't have a reason to. No, they're so fucking smart. Nah, bro. Like everything, most things children do are linked to how they're treated in their first like five formative years. Mm-hmm. Like that's like because like I'm because I'm writing this because I'm writing this movie and and like, it's about how like uh you know like as a black kid. Uh, usually there's like at least one day in your life you remember where you just got pawned off some random adult. Like mm-hmm. you don't, you're not related to this nigga. He's like the boyfriend of a cousin or yeah, yeah, friend yeah. of a friend of a friend. And it's like nobody had the time to watch you or right, they right, had the right. thing. So you just went. So writing a movie kind of about that, like it's this kid based off of me, he's nine years old and he's just like has to spend the day with like uh, his cousin's boyfriend because he's staying with his family oh, for the man. summer and so it's just like a whole day movie and uh i want a scene where because basically i'm basing this character in his 20s he's like he's based off like all these dudes i looked up with looked up to when i was a little kid yeah most of these niggas were selling drugs most of these niggas wasn't shit and they was just driving that girlfriend's car around and shit like yeah, that but yeah. to me i thought they were the coolest dudes in the world because i didn't know their personal life i just saw them outside wow these niggas is cool i'm eight years old and i'm around them right. and so like i want to have a scene where like He's hanging with his friend. They're like smoking or whatever. And he's like, man, you brave for watching a kid you don't know. And he's like, what you mean? He's like, bro, think about it. Like, you look the wrong way and something happened. Like, now his whole adult life, he got a weird kink because of some weird shit that happened to him when he was a kid. Because, like, all that shit is linked, bro. Like, it's just so, it's wild how, like, most of the things that happen to you from, like, born to, like, eight years old is what shaped how your behaviors. Yeah. And that's a small period in your life. That's, that's... And we don't Ooh, we don't that's listen. A lot of pressure. Yeah, we don't listen to kids. Yeah. Like they're new humans. Mm-hmm. Why what would they if they Sponges. most children most children only lie when they feel unsafe. You know what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. true. They lie because they either need to hide something because they don't want somebody to get angry with them, mm-hmm. or they're lying because they feel unsafe in that thing. Like children and usually when they're lying, you can tell they're lying because they're telling the truth with their actions and stuff like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. So it's just like we don't really and that's why I did want to be a teacher, but it's like we don't really understand children or listen to them or anything mm-hmm. like that and that's why we get the people that we have yeah 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 it's i like, feel like i grew up with fear yeah. of course you did yeah because i i lied i remember the first time i lied it was like my dad i was like six years old and back in the seat and he was just like you bring c's to this house you never want to work you'll never come back home like you never bring c to my house Bro, as a kid, you're like, first of all, you don't even know what C's are at six years old. You know what I mean? Right. He said even... that super serious. Yeah, super, super like, I'm dry, like, he's saying it. So I'm like, yo, this, I can't come home if I get a C, like, if I get a sad. Bro, so the first C I get, I'm lying on my report. I'm like, yo, I never it. got it. They're like, how you didn't get it? And then it was just like, I don't know why I had to lie, but I was like, 
hey, nigga, like, whatever he's going to do to me, mm-hmm. I'd rather lie so mm-hmm. he doesn't do that to me. Mm-hmm. But I'd get in worse trouble because I'm lying. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, then I grew up and I'm like, I had this fear of just, like, authorities. And I was like, where did I get this from? Yep. Like, mm-hmm. why is why why is every black man I'm being a little scared of? Not, like, scared like you're going to hurt me, but just scared, like, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, and then I had to, like, oh, shit. Like, it was just, like, I got it. So I had to go to that moment, mm-hmm. like, and mentally and just, like, hey, it's all right. Mm-hmm. This nigga was trying to figure it out. Like, you look at your dad, like, that nigga was full of fear, too. Mm-hmm. So kill that fear. You, It's all right. Yeah. But it took a while. Like, it was like, why did I lie? Like, you know what I mean? Why did I feel like I had to lie? Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like I was safe with my mom, but I guess with my dad, I, I had to lie. And it kind of kind of causes a riff when you lie. But I was like, damn, I wish I could tell him, like, yo, my nigga, you, start, you started this lie. You yeah. know what I mean? You're just you started... trying to protect yourself. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Anyways, dad, if you're listening, you did this to me. <laughs> <laughs> you did this to That's me. Real. But you got to also, like, yeah, I, I agree with that. Like, Things that happen in your childhood, if you don't deal with it, yeah. it sticks with you. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I don't think it lasts forever. No. I think you just got to deal yeah, with yeah. it. Yeah, it can, though. It can. It can. It definitely it can. It definitely can. And it, and it comes up in ways that you you don't even know. Like now, like you said, it's like those first eight to ten years, it's shit that you're doing right now that when you really, like you said, you had to go back to that memory, Ralph, and like like unpack that. Yeah. But a lot of people don't do that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't do that. Like now even in the, the you know, my, I'll say resurgence to stand up, I'm trying to, I'm doing shit that I'm afraid to talk about. You know what I mean? Like yeah, going sh- back into shit. funny. It's, you know, but it's just like shit that I'm, that's worth, it's, it's funnier, which is darker, but because I'm going back to reach into that stuff, but it's just like it's 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 interesting though too because I I think when we're at this age and I don't know none of us have kids we don't have kids thank God no thank God uh thank God. but I'm I'm at this I think we're all at a similar age where it's like I don't want to pass this trauma on though nope you know what I mean mm-hmm. nope and so now I'm even doing this thing where I, I'm this is where I'm gonna tell y'all some this is some random real shit do it but like I'm. You know, I'm about to be 30, about to be 30 soon. And uh, I told my mom on the phone the other day, I was like, Mom, we have to adjust our relationship, right? Mm, You still see me as 15-year-old Joe, and I need need all of, every family story that you tell me from now on, I want the real, I I don't want the storybook version no more. I want the real pages that's missing. I want everything. I need, I need you to tell me everything. Nigga, I'm, I'm a man now. That's real. And we got to talk like this. Now, every other week, I'm talking to her tonight. Like, Sunday nights, every other Sunday night, me and my mom are basically unpacking our trauma together. That's <laughs> beautiful. And I didn't realize what we're doing. Like, wow. So now today, we're talking about self-care. Because she doesn't really know what that is. Right. Most black people don't. Legit. <laughs> um. So I'm even realizing now, like, I'm... I am. I'm a workaholic. Like, I, I do all these things that I got from watching my aunties and my mom and <clears throat> yeah. my... And I'm like, yo, I can't just chill. Why can't I just chill? I can't do it. Why, why can't I wake up and just go to my balcony and look at the sky and literally be okay? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I have to work. I feel like I have to do something. I know why I can't. What, 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 what is that for you? Uh, My dad. Mm-hmm. When I was five years old, on the way to kindergarten, this nigga told me, you got to be valedictorian. 
no fucking way. Swear to God, bro. That nigga cursed me, man. He cursed me and blessed me in the same day. Because basically, my dad is very successful for what he's done and everything. And he kind of like showed me like, hey, I did this. Now you supposed to, he would always say like every day, you supposed to do better than me Mm -hmm. and get to this point and all this kind of stuff. And he would say stuff like that. And like, I'm five years old getting told you got to be valedictorian and successful and all this kind of shit. It's like, nigga, let me be five. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and yeah. so, and then I saw this and it's just like, I can tell this is the attitude my dad has, but it's like for a black man in America, I feel like I was taught early on that you only have value if you're successful. Cause if you're mm-hmm. not successful, mm-hmm. you're going to get killed by the police. You're going to get treated like shit. It's like, I'm from Mississippi, bro. They, they treat black people like shit. They, it's, I mean, it's certain places in America, even here. It's like, it's just an, it's just okay to not treat black people with respect. Mm-hmm. Like you can just be disrespected for being black and the person will just look at you like, what? Mm-hmm. And you can't do nothing. And so I think like in a subconscious way, my dad kind of taught me like, if you want respect as a black man, you got to be successful. And that comes from working really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And all I did, all I did was see my dad work hard. And so it was just kind of like, so for me, I feel like I've always been at this point where I have to get to a certain place and then I can rest a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, what if that certain place in my head, if I don't get to it at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Or if it doesn't match with what you thought it exactly. would look like. Exactly. So that's been for me this past year has been like doing work on myself to like defining what I think success is mm-hmm. to myself and that kind of thing. So like it's 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 taking a lot of work and like I have kind of like lightened the load on myself a little bit. It's not going to stop. It's not like you're not going to stop being a workaholic overnight. Yeah. Like it's just, it's impossible. It's in your DNA. It's in your nature at this point. So it's just like, just little by little, I'm trying to make myself feel like, uh, be grateful for like, be proud of the things you're doing. Like for instance, like, like the second year I was here, I was, I was homeless for pretty much the whole year. It's 2017. And, um, I was doing, still doing stand up and stuff, still going at it. And so like, like literally last night I was hanging out with a friend and I just kind of looked around like we we're just like smoking weed on the couch having a good time watching TV and stuff and I I just like damn like I'm in a really comfortable place in a nice city with really good friends and like I don't have to worry about my bills and stuff right now like mm-hmm. at this moment uh and so it's just like that's success in a way mm-hmm. like 5 5 years ago me would be mesmerized by this shit yeah. and I think it's hard to like when you're working and you're in it it's hard to like be like what would me five years ago think about what I'm doing right now? Like, like me five years ago, if he saw my life right now, he'd cry. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I need to keep that in mind when yeah. things don't go perfectly like I want them to go. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, like I'm doing good and I need to see it that way. So it's just, it's hard to do that shit because there's a certain place I'm trying to get to and I'm not mm-hmm. there, but it's just like, it'll come or it won't. What place <laughs> yeah. is that? What place is that? And to be honest, man, and that's the thing, I don't really even know what it is. Mm-hmm. And so, because one, I don't like putting a cap or a boundary on what I can do. Mm-hmm. So I don't like having like a concrete thing, but like, I don't know. I don't know what exactly it is I'm trying to get to. I just know it ain't this shit. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I, I feel like if I could put more of a tangible thing on it, it wouldn't be as fun to get there when I get there. Mm. But I don't know. But I know I'm just, I know I'm trying to get to a certain point. And I'm like killing myself to try to get there, but it's like mm-hmm. once you get there, once you get to whatever it is, it's like, ugh. yeah. So I'm just trying to like enjoy what I'm doing now and like have fun with what I'm doing now, and and like I just like at this point, like I'm only I only really want to do stuff that excites me. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to just do shit just to do it, and that's that's part of the reason why yeah. like I'm kind of quitting stand up right now. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, bro, that's yeah, he said crazy. that. He said that in the car on the way here. He said that in the car. Bro, you know it's crazy because we just dropped an episode with Jill. I just said that's Jill. My, that's my homie. Yo, Jill. Jill said the same thing in the interview, and it's crazy we just dropped. It that. don't excite me no more. It yeah. it it's because you did it all. I bro, like remember the last time I'm I so happy you? you said that shit because I'm tired of telling myself that. Like you did it, <laughs> you did it all. I, I think one of my favorite things this nigga said so far has been the people who call themselves artists. Yeah, there's people who call <laughs> themselves artists. On this podcast, artists. I have never heard somebody say that so casually, and it, it was so real. But I think what what I <laughs> what I am real. admiring about that phrase is that you are an artist. Yeah. I And I think we have a hunger. Sometimes, I you know, I, I think a lot of my passion in, in, in me making things is because I still feel like people can't hear me, though. Yeah. Or, and I think that even though sometimes I stifle myself mm-hmm. and I go like, man, they still ain't hearing me or they still don't understand me or like, or this culture that I want to represent is still not on screen or this, people still don't have access to seeing themselves or like yeah. whatever that passion is. I think there's going to be a time where you're just like, man, okay, the writing is fun. Or whatever you end up doing, or the directing, or whatever you know, the mm-hmm. whatever people hiring you to do, I I'm interested. I can't wait for you to take a fucking break and then come back in ten years and we see Niles at fucking 35, 40 talking about, yo nigga, I gotta say some shit to y'all. Yeah, mm-hmm. like and that I, special is also gonna be classic. And I know, I know what that thing is, and that's the thing. It's just I'm not ready to talk about it yet. So mm-hmm. it's just like, why do this fake bullshit and go right, up here? Right. And, say some things because it might make people laugh and I think it might be like I don't care enough to do that yeah mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. I know I know what that next thing is and I'm just not ready to do it yet mm-hmm. and so it's like I'd rather like take a break and explore um other stuff mm-hmm. I think like some comedians like they sign on to Comedy Central yeah and thinking like like a rapper signing onto a label and thinking like I fucking made it yeah and so you're wow. waiting for the machine mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. fucking take you there. It's probably not going to happen. And it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You have to create that machine yourself. Yep. But if they already babied you, like when I say babied you, like spoiled you into here's a platform for here, and there was no like real traction, yeah. I then that. you're depressed. I've seen that with a few people. Mm-hmm. They kind of it's like they got promised the world and they then these networks didn't deliver on that shit. It's not. It's well, I'm gonna tell you, it's not to them for the networks to deliver. Deliver is give you the money. Yeah. And what mm-hmm. you do with that money? Well, some people don't even get that money though. Yeah, some people don't, and that's that's their business world. Not even them. Like your business should be handled right. right? But I'm saying like if they giving you like if they're like hey Niles here's a hundred thousand dollars plus oh, I'm a trap I'm. I'm going crazy with that. <laughs> and then you, the like, thing I'm gonna make would be they'd be like, "Oh, we can't even put this out. That's not fair." That's, <laughs> yeah, and then you feel trapped again. Exactly. Well, I say like, in order for you to stand out, you have to shock the world. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then you got to give them an awe moment. Yeah. Hence the reason why Kanye will always be relevant. Always, because he will mm-hmm. always shock you. He's always gonna shock. you. <laughs> He's always gonna shock you, and then you're just gonna be like, "Oh man." Yeah. You know his like, next. You know his next thing is gonna be. One day he's just gonna walk out and he's gonna be a white dude. <laughs> and he's like, he's gonna be like, I'm Kanye, y'all. And everybody's gonna be like, who is this white man saying he's Kanye West? Where is Kanye? That's that's when I'm like out. <laughs> you not out, you're not out yet? No. Bro, I'm out. I don't I've I been out, bro. The reason why I don't get out. And I love him I'm one of the biggest bro, Kanye I li- fans ever. I like I like Kanye and I'm not out on anyone. I like on anyone. Like you gotta mm-hmm. earn it back for me. I think it's because like I've seen how they treated Malcolm Mm -hmm. X 
when he was in his prime. Mm-hmm. They were mm-hmm. killing this nigga's yeah, they were character. Him. Yeah. They, the media was just like, this nigga says he's got no one should work with him. Even the Muslims were like, when he said the coop, like, um, oh yeah, they come, chickens, chickens coming home came to roost. Yeah, well, he was standing up against a power structure though. Kanye West is just saying stupid shit. Nah, he is standing up against a power structure. I don't believe so. All right. All I right. haven't seen the you were telling me. I, I'm, I tell, I'm I telling you. Interview. I've been watching all the interviews. reasons why videos. Chappelle goes crazy and we're not. He doesn't specify. Fuck Chappelle, bro. This nigga going crazy. This nigga said Nori Davis is the new Chappelle. That's the house. <laughs> I don't think Nori Davis is new Chappelle. I think he's better. No. I, I'm going to be honest. I, fo- I follow these Better niggas. than any of the shit Chappelle's put out in the last seven years? Nah, Sticks and Stones. You tripping. Sticks and Stones. You tripping. Which one was Sticks and Stones? That was really That's good. That's when the nigga, when he shocked the world, Juicy nigga. Smoulet. Was that the one, the Atlanta one? Juicy yeah. Smoulet. That one was one of the better ones. Nigga. I just be for real. Like, Nothing I just don't think that shit like, moves the needle that much. Like, you got to understand. Nah, you can't even say Nori Davis is better than Chappelle. Right even now? Nori, right Nori, now? Even Nori Davis so. would not. But the thing is, Chappelle's movement's stronger than anyone's movement right well, now. Well, he, well, here's, and I've talked about this with other comedians. Like, he's, Chappelle's able to do something that most comedians, well, pretty much any comedian cannot do. He can go anywhere he wants and just ramble on stage for three hours. And so that's, and so mm-hmm. how do you get better at stand up comedy? You I, get up the most. Rambling. So if he can get up the most, then he should be the best, right? Mm-hmm. So my thing is, if you get up the most, stop putting out dog shit specials. Mm. But mm-hmm. to him, is there mixtapes? Well, he's still getting paid $20 million to put them out. So I'll be real, bro. Uh, anything he's put out the last four years, the special I'm putting out in December is way better. And I, I put that on anything. I, I like I like the confidence. I like the ambition. Because I say that, bro, like you say that about Nori Davis, I, I would say the same thing about myself against Nori Davis. Hey, I, I, you know what I'm saying? Like we can really, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's believe all subjective. Yourself. It is all subjective. It's all, it's all and that's the other thing is like, he has this certain godlike allure about him that some people it doesn't matter how funny the shit is they're never gonna say oh this person's funnier than Dave Chappelle because they're just never gonna say that oh, I would say Louis C.K. is better than anyone out right now I think no like Louis like he's his, his specials are crazy is as far as a, you guys want any of this podcast to be playable huh? we, we just keep talking about canceled people and how they're uh, great Should I don't think Chappelle's great that? at all I think <laughs> I think he I think Chappelle is honed in on one thing and here's the other thing you can talk about this it's just like why is no, he you getting... gotta keep this in the podcast this is hot takes it is it is I mean he's honed in on this one thing this transphobia shit and like he just like won't let it yeah, go yeah he won't let it go that's very weird, really to me. weird yeah that was weird it's very that weird that was very weird and so my thing is tell jokes bro like mm-hmm. I don't need you to preach to me and all this kind of stuff and you're making up things in your head that aren't true and so it's just like and I, and it's like for like the gay and trans community to see this dude continue to get dude dude is one of the most influential people in media right now mm-hmm. and yelled on stage I'm team turf that is going to cause violence against people what's team turf like that's basically like turf is like a group of women that are like we're real women trans women aren't oh, real right, women, right, this right. kind of shit oh shit and it's like the whole that's like shit, J- jk, JK rowling. rowling type yeah. shit mm-hmm. and so that's when jk rowling yeah she went on a whole she rampage on Twitter. Too? And, yeah. yeah she's like the leader of this like this thing right now wild. and so for Chappelle to yeah. get on stage and yell some shit like that bro like it'd be like if a white comic got up on stage and was like i'm with the kkk let's go it's the same shit and so it's just like for a lot for a lot of people they're not going to tell this dude you're wrong. And for a lot of people, they can't get it because either one, they don't know trans people or two, they just don't care. 
but it's just like mm-hmm. if you made it the same if you did the same thing to another people group where they'd be black or asian or something mm-hmm. everybody would be like yo we can't stand for this this is wild but the fact that he can get on stage and yell at, like i have trans friends bro they'll say people mm-hmm. deep people will be in their dms threatening them saying dave was right mm. so you can't get up there and say like i can't i'm not gonna i can't take responsibility for things people do when you're that influential and you're right, saying right. shit and it's like now people are going to use your words to then threaten the actual people you talk to, you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, I can't take Kanye's comments lightly. I can't take the things he says about George Floyd lightly. Because mm-hmm. I'm seeing black comics get on the Internet and defend what he's saying about George Floyd and shit. Yeah, Because they love that. Kanye so much. Because yeah. Kanye, there's a lot of niggas that Kanye can't be wrong in their mind. Kanye can be wrong. If you're a real nigga, you'll know when you're... Yeah, that's what I'm tripping. saying. Yeah. But here's the thing. There's a lot of people that aren't like that. So it's just like, we can't just be like, oh, that's just Kanye. Like, he has a lot of influence over people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. No one's going to ask, what exactly did he say? They're just going to go They're going to be like, oh, he said that's that. That's why these guys, like you, ha- like, you have to be more careful with your platform. When you're that big, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't just say shit like that. I mm-hmm. think they go off of like, I'm... Dave, I was, I, I'd be like, I'd be tripping all over because I don't think he'll ever admit he's wrong. No, public. he'll never. He's, I told somebody other day, he's an old black man. Yeah. But Kanye will admit when he's wrong in really? public. You think yeah, so? I listened to yeah. it. I literally listened to an interview where that nigga said, towards the end, was just like, yo, it's ungodly for me to keep uh, an apology hostage. Guys. And I think that's great. But also, damage has already been done, bro. There's people on the, there's white supremacists on the 405 right now that mm-hmm. have signs that say Kanye was right about the Jews. Really? Yes, bro. And so that's why I can't be like, oh, well, he just makes mistakes. Fuck that. Like, you, like, nah, bro. Mm-hmm. You have too big of a platform and too much influence to just be rambling and saying crazy shit like that. And then two days later, walk it back. Because the people you embolden, that's them two days is mm-hmm. all they need to go do some damage. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Cool. Glad Kanye apologized. Mm-hmm. But nah, Fuck that shit, man. I, I get it. When him and Drake did that Amazon concert. That shit was beautiful. That was like one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen in my life. And mm-hmm. like, it was just like, I loved him again for like another, for like an hour. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And like, cause of just like, you think about like the things he made and how he makes you feel. Cause like for me, like I'm a huge fan of his because of like, I was a black kid that grew up in mm-hmm. a lot of white spaces that it was hard to be confident sometimes. And mm-hmm. there was things done to me to like, always, it always felt like, the white adults in my life were always trying to knock me down a peg mm. so I wouldn't, like, be mm. confident or love myself and things like that. Mm. And so it's just, like, a dude seeing a dude like that get famous and just be like, fuck everybody and, like, have, like, this cockiness and all this kind of shit, knowing, like, deep down, like, I'm really nervous right now, like, that meant the world to me. Like, mm. I, I've always mm-hmm. been such a big fan of his. It's just like, just, like, even with his story, like, if you're an artist, you can just, you can just feel somewhat, like, the dude was making beats for everybody but wanted to rap. Mm-hmm. And niggas told told him you can't rap, and be, he became a bigger rap artist than everybody that told him he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Like that shit is great. Like that's the great. I say it's, it's, it's the, the greatest story in music. The first two parts of that documentary are the most magical. It's amazing. Hours. Part one of Genius is like, I feel like every artist should write. You watch have to that. watch that. Nigga, yeah. every artist after that documentary was coming into the studio booking time. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. They were just like, hey. Let's go. Hey, y'all got any more of those hours? Shit, I got something to say. <laughs> I got something to say. I got it's time to work. He's yeah. inspirational and it's but it's sad what he's turned into. Mm-hmm. Uh you it's know? not gonna end well. I I mean I, when I watched no. the third part, I was just like, this hey, is, he gets mad about this that. This can't end well. Yeah, he gets mad about that. Like, I I'll stick to Kanye because all the things he's talked about in the past mm-hmm. come into fruition. 
when it starts with the music, where he's just like, I'm going to be the biggest rapper alive. Yeah, and watch. that's great. Mm-hmm. Then he went to the fashion. He was like, yo, I will become the best fashion. I'm going to change the way, bop, bop, bop. And he did that. So now his next agenda, where he was telling Pierce, he's like, Pierce, in 10 years, you will be apologizing for me for what I'm about to do. <laughs> and I, But what he's doing, like, it's not the, the Jewish thing. It's so easy to, like, attract hate. But what he's trying to say is like these entertainers, we're getting fucked. The we'll books make are it fucked. about that though, and that's what he did. He ended up. He's like, okay, I will make it because about this. There's certain language you just can't use, bro. Because I there, agree. There's people in this country that are at the drop of a hat are ready for somebody to influence them to do some wild mm-hmm. shit. I agree. Like that's why, like the whole Trump thing, man, was like these people have been waiting for a dude with that platform to say the things he said, and that's why he that's why he was doing it. He knew like. Oh, there's a group of people that love this shit and they gonna get out and vote. Nas wants to, I read your interview, you did an interview, was it Vulture? Yeah. You want to, you want to direct? Yeah, I want to transition just being a, a comedy director, man. Like, mm-hmm. And so yeah. it's like, Judd changed the landscape of comedy. He was making shit, put people in it that had never been on screen before and then also inspired them to now take the mantle and, and go. You know what I'm saying? I want to do mm-hmm. that for black people. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's like so many like white comedians have made their careers off of like I did a Judd Apatow movie, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so like they've had that lane for a long time. Uh, but yeah, it's like he like they completely changed the game, bro. Like we don't get a Seth Rogen run of movies. We don't get the forgetting Sarah Marshall from Jason Siegel. Mm-hmm. Like all those like it's so much that came from that. And so it's like it was that crew and then like um, Will Ferrell and them their crew. Bro. Those two crews are killing for it. what's next, bro. So I'm excited to. That you say stuff like that because it, ha- it has to, to my it's girlfriend be a last night. Like cause it needs to be because I was just saying to my girlfriend last night, I was like, "Man, I miss the 2010s." Yes, like the 2020s are scaring me, bro. It kind of what well, the fuck we're is in a lull right now going on. Yeah, it's I, early 2020. You know, it's, it's early. It's gonna happen. Like well, we ain't got no footing. Like the like the, they we the reason like it's perfect timing that Kanye is freaking out, Chappelle's freaking out. A lot of people are leaving these camps, and these the are time, people that yeah. also did pave the way for Their us. Their time is over, bro. But, the, but it is time. Mm. Like you, I need, yeah. Renaissance is the perfect word. Yes. And, this and, is what and you're right. This is what happened. So these, these two crews, basically in comedy, in movies, it was these two crews and whatever Kevin Hart decided he wanted them to do, right? Mm-hmm. So they, they bled them dry of all the funny. Mm-hmm. And now all those guys, they want to do serious shit. Yeah. Seth Rogen has a weed company and he's producing the boys and like being a yeah. good just want to be a husband. He's like doing all this shit. Kevin Hart starting all these businesses. Yeah. Kevin Hart's like that was like one of the best things I'd ever seen. The the shit he did with Wesley Snipes that was serious. Yeah, true story. Like niggas, just keep being serious. This is crazy. And then like Will Ferrell is like producing more things now. Adam McKay is kind of turned into like I just direct big movies and mm-hmm. produce big shows now. Like he's producing Succession. He's producing the uh, Winning Time on HBO. So mm-hmm. it's like all these crews. They have kind of transitioned from the funny. And but so now all the studios who prop these guys up but didn't reach under mm-hmm. and look for anything because they didn't have to. Mm-hmm. So now they're kind of scrambling. And, mm-hmm. they'll, and here's what studios do studios will never come out and be like, we made a mistake. What do they say now? Oh, well, you know, comedy doesn't travel overseas. So that's why we don't make them. Or it, nobody's going to come to the theater and see a, mo- a comedy we made for $25 million. So we won't make our money back. So that's why we don't make them. Mm-hmm. No, they don't make them because they don't have the people. Because yeah. what they tried to do was these three camps, 
they made all these dope movies because Kevin Hart had a cool run too. The thinking like a the thing like a man's the ride alongs, oh, yeah, Central man. Intelligence with the Rock. He made some good movies, you know. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's still making good movies too on Netflix. So like yeah, when I say good time. movies, like Adam Sandler movies, like you got to think Kevin Hart is like Adam Sandler. Where you're not expecting much. Yeah, yeah, yeah I see what you're But saying. it's enjoyable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, we need something fresh and new. I love Kevin. But it's like, they they put so much money and stock into that. It's kind of, it's winding down and it's taking its course. Plateauing. Yeah. And so, what they thought was going to take the mantle was this internet shit. The mm-hmm. internet comedy. The They got 3 million followers on TikTok. Mm-hmm. They got 5 million followers on Instagram. And they... They thought that was was gonna take, like, oh well, we're gonna be fine now. People are just funny on their phone and whatever. And it's like that is cool and everything, but what about the craft? Mm-hmm, you not mm-hmm. just because you got five million on Instagram don't mean you can go make an hour and forty minute really funny movie with good characters, a good plot. Yeah, you got to study. Absolutely, you got to work on the craft. Mm-hmm. And so all of that is having its time now, and it's about to go away. It's gonna yeah. wind down. Yeah, and then once that crashes, it's gonna be a new renaissance of. Let's find new talent that makes good, funny movies. Mm-hmm. And it's going to happen because mm-hmm. you see it on TV. Like a lot of creators, like a lot of networks are like, they're the comedies they're making are very like creator focused. Like mm-hmm. the dude, obviously he stars, writes in it and makes it like Issa and Rami mm-hmm. and Gerard. Like those right, kind of, yeah. that was kind of like where comedy is. It's like eventually people do like that shit. It's going to bleed over into the film. It's just like taking a while because for them, it's hard to like, Hard to like hand the reins over to somebody mm-hmm. who's unproven in the yeah, sense. Yeah, they want to make that money back for exactly. sure. Exactly. But the thing is, it's like you can find people are proven. It's just it may not have the views, but they got the craft down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? People I know just mm-hmm. in my friend group that have a short film online that has like a thousand views, but it's like one of the dopest shit mm-hmm. you ever yeah. seen. You're one of them. Like <laughs> you like Bro, we... the stuff you've produced is so high quality, Joel. Like it's like I've like I have friends that watch sad ass black folk and they're like, Y'all niggas made a TV show. <laughs> Yeah, that's beautiful. And it's like, and so it's like, there's so many people that have that kind of shit, and they're ready to go. They mm-hmm. might not have the views and the numbers and all this kind of stuff. Give them a budget, and it's gonna go crazy though. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so eventually, it's gonna get. It's just like it's just taking a long time, and it's like it's like a comedy right now is like in a growing pains mm-hmm. stage. Mm-hmm. So the growing pains is it's 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 pain and tension and all this kind of stuff. But eventually, you get tall and you start dunking on niggas. There's a lot of movies being made by people. It's just like. Your time's over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You don't get the streamline of thinking right now. Mm-hmm. Like there's... You know what we got to do, bro? This is what we got to do. Yeah. I hear what you're saying, and I, I, I see what you're saying, because mm-hmm. it is heading in that direction. But I think what needs to happen is the creators, I think we all have to bury our own egos True. and make something together. No, that's... I, we have to put all of our money together. I, I we completely have to agree. Go, you got a script? Is it ready? Okay, let, let's, let's... Whoever's the crew... Let's get a couple drafts of notes. Who's got some money? Let's put some money together. Because that's, I mean, that's what a lot of the people that we love, Spike Lee, Friday. Townsend, Friday, all those classics were literally other young black people looking around being like, oh, this nigga works. Yep. Oh, this nigga's funny. Oh, she's hilarious. Oh, come be in the thing. We yep. shooting something. We, we putting our money together. Like Robert Townsend made, what did he make? Uh, Hollywood Shuffle. He made Hollywood Shuffle with seven credit cards. Seven credit cards and a commercial he booked. Nigga. And he created culture from that, mm-hmm. that renaissance that you're talking about, right? The Keenan Ivory Wayans, the mm-hmm. they were just doing shit because they knew Hollywood wasn't gonna give them a chance. They're not gonna even so they give were like, them a shot. Fuck them. Yeah. Let's do it. So I think that's how it's gotta go down. It has I to think. until it gives you a chance. 
Yeah, until until it's undeniable. You have to create yeah. your first job. You do. Hollywood doesn't give you your first job if you. Black. And even when Hollywood gives you a job, mm-hmm. you have to still create your own job. Yeah, at I, the same time, I just wrote at the same. I just wrote for one of the biggest shows on TV. My yeah. phone ain't ringing. Dave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They even call it's you. Crazy. They I'll, call, I'll call him. Call him, bro. Call him. Call him. But it's just like I just wrote for one of the biggest shows on TV. I didn't. I don't have a job now. That's because you got it. That's that's your internship. Exactly. Even if they pay, I learned some shit. No, I, but I mm-hmm. I literally is. That's why I love Joel so much. Because literally, what you're saying is what I've been telling people. It's yeah. We I'm need excited, to get man. together. I'm excited. Organize. Hey, I'm excited, bro. Because I was it, literally gonna tell this nigga. We, me and Ralph, were talking about your short film. We were literally sitting around just being like, "Yo, I don't know how it's gonna come to fruition," but I'm like, I want to get to that place where. Niles is making something and I'm able to just be like, yo, let me produce on it. Or, hey, come call me for, I just want to play the pizza delivery dude. Like, whatever the fuck. Like, man. Because I think. Nah, nigga, you I about think, to work. I'm going to have you on shit all, all the whole time. <laughs> you ain't about to just, as talented as you are, you ain't just about to be the pizza <laughs> delivery and everything. You Cater- might have to play three characters. But I think it's like, I think that's I what it's got to be. It's got to be real, recognized, real, because. It has to be. Everybody is trying to. Get views, get likes, get their own followings, which everybody. you do have to do in this economy. I think you do have to kind of you have to smarten up and do and do that. But I think at the end of the day, it's like when we talk about like exactly what you're saying, the Judd Apatow's, the which is why I admire you, bro, because you really do put the team on your back. Like I never see you make something, and it's like it, it, it's it's really admirable because it's always just like oh no, Niles is like rolling with who you know should be there. And I never see you switch up. I never see you like do something where I'm like, ah, oh, nah, that's. But yeah, it's really authentic. So yeah, man, I, I think whatever that is, and I know it's hard because we're young and black. I think a lot of the things that we've been talking about this whole episode, this whole sh- today, is like the struggles that I think especially young black men are under just to exist, just to be sane, mm-hmm. you know, just to literally be an entertainer, like we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. But it's like, how do we how do we bury all of the shit that makes us competitive in that in this environment of yeah. LA and in the industry and just be like, no, this is bigger than us. Yep. This is for these kids. Mm-hmm. This is so these kids can see a character like them. Cause these these niggas with the money, they're not gonna give it to us. So, okay, how do we exactly because I, I already know that. Like I know for me, I know there's gonna be a day and I'm excited to get there. Mm-hmm. When I have opportunities to hand people, exactly. I know I can't be the voice. I can't I can't write this script because this kid who's 19 mm-hmm. lived it and they should write it. Yeah. And I'm gonna give them notes and let a me platform. just give you support. That's all. I can't wait. I gotta to get do out that. the way. Right. I can't wait to do that. And people are people need to hear that story. Exactly. And like we know that. But I think a lot of what you're saying is like a lot of these executives, they won't just get out the fucking way and just give us the money. They're not gonna do that. It's weird. Yeah. It's like, dude, I'm gonna get you your cut. Yeah. Hey, you help you produce it, you're gonna give us some money, you're gonna get your cut. And, and let I'm, me write the shit. And I used to be mad about that shit. Cause there's two things I had to do. Like the ego thing was like, for me, it's like, I don't do that shit anymore. Like I, I have to work with other people that's talented. Mm-hmm. I have to work with people that I think are better than me. Cause it's just like we're gonna make the best shit. So I like what you're saying with the the with the film thing. It's just like that's exactly what Friday was. Mm-hmm. Ice Cube went around. He saw the people that had a really yeah. funny Def Jam set, yeah. but then nothing came from it. Yeah. Like, a lot of niggas got Def Jam sets and then got a few weekends at clubs, and that was it. Friday is what changed comedy forever. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, we have to do something like that. It's not, And it's not going to come from people that got 5 million followers and shit like that. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. just... It's, it's going to come from people that, like, is really, really hungry and want to do this craft shit and mm-hmm. really get down and, like, make something. Because yeah. there's a lot of people with big platforms 
they aren't gonna they are not gonna get down and dirty and make this thing because right. they want to get it handed to them because they are gonna get it handed to them mm-hmm. and also I have money I have a big platform I'm chilling bro I don't have to make a movie I'm good regardless <laughs> uh, so why would I take that risk and go make a movie like yeah it's gonna take people that this is all I can if I don't do this it's gonna be another five years of mm-hmm. complaining like this mm-hmm. so let's get together and let's make this thing and let's make this thing that's going to change, mm-hmm. change whatever we're trying to do. So it's just like people that don't need their situation changed aren't going to do anything to change Ooh. the situation. Ooh. So if I, if I can get 20 million followers because yeah. I do this every day and make money off ads and stuff, why would I change the landscape of comedy and make a movie and put a bunch of new comedians on? Why yeah. would I do that? Because <laughs> this is comedy right now. So why would I change that? Yeah. Right. You know, everybody's ADD now, so it's almost like there's this yeah. rhetoric now of like, oh, kids ain't going to, the movie business is going to die, man. Ain't nobody going to the movie With theaters no more. People binge TV all day, so that's mm-hmm. not true. Yeah. It's like every argument they bring up is just for the sole fact of, to make up for the fact they fucked up. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're not, not willing to evolve. They no. want, God We damn, have to force them they're to. They're so fucking. Because think about, like, yeah. for, like, we talked about Friday, for instance. Mm-hmm. At, and this is funny. Because uh, there's a comedian uh, that a couple of us, he's an older comedian we we know and love. His name's Freeze Love. Mm-hmm. So Freeze Love came out here in the 90s and started comedy. He just like, he was doing music and he said he was in the studio. And I think they brought, I think the funny story is they brought in Exhibit and he like watched Exhibit and some other rappers and was like, oh, I can't do that. So he quit and he just went to an open mic one day, goes up, riffing, just being funny. And Eddie Griffin was there and he was like, nigga, you about to hang out with me, bro. You opening for me. We about to hang out. Became a comedian. And he auditioned for Friday. So at the time, everybody's like, yo, Ice Cube got this movie. The script is dope. He's got this movie about Friday. It's in the hood. They're shooting it out here. So he auditioned for Big Worm. Oh. And, and so uh, they were like, you'd be good for Big Worm. You're a big dude. This nigga went in there and played it serious. Oh, my God. Like a gangster and shit. Because think about it. We lucky Friday now, like, yeah, it's Friday, but at the time, there had never been a movie like that before. Yeah. So if you hear Ice Cube's got a movie called Friday about what happens in the hood on a Friday, you thinking it's like Boys oh in the Hood. You don't gosh. think it's a comedy. Mm. Because, fri- like, and that's what I'm mm-hmm. saying, it's like, it makes sense to us now, but at the time, yeah. nobody was like, yeah, we should put a movie in the hood, but it's silly. Mm-hmm, Everybody, mm-hmm. even, like, even a lot of black people were like, that's not going to make sense mm-hmm. because they don't see the vision. They don't see the script. Mm-hmm. But if you're the one that's making it, you totally get it because you're like, why wouldn't we do this? Mm-hmm. And so Especially this is coming. Ice Cube saying it. It's like if Keenan and Wayne saying it, you're like, all right. Cool. Yeah. Like- and it's like well, Ice Cube is like, you've been in two shoot em up hood yeah, movies at this yeah. point. And so I think that was he saw that and was like, OK, we did that already. Let's be funny in the hood now. Mm-hmm. And it's like now mm-hmm. hood funny is like a whole category of genre of comedy. Yeah. But at, at the point, as there's a point where that wasn't a thing. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. so it's just like for a lot of the people there, it was kind of like a glitch in the matrix in a way because nothing had been made like that before. And that's why when it came on screen, it just took off like a rocket. Mm-hmm. And like it was, there was no going back after that. And so now, so now it's like there has to be something now that is a glitch like that because that was mm-hmm. a funny thing. It's like if even the people auditioning for the movie don't even understand, like I can be funny right now, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, that, it yeah. changed everything. So it's funny to like talk about a movie that's so quotable and like every time it gets put on a streaming platform, it's in the top five, top ten trending mm-hmm. because it's one of those movies you're always gonna go back to because it changed everything. That movie's always gonna be funny, mm-hmm. always. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're so right about collaboration. Mm-hmm. And it's like burying the ego, 
You got an idea. You know what I mean? You got whatever you have access to. Let's put your resources together with my resources. Right. And like, it's inspiring because then you don't even have to be like, you don't have to worry about that much. If you, if, if we can meet here, if I've been doing my thing for however many years, if mm-hmm. you've been doing your thing, if Ralph's good at this, if Maya Cryer's got this access to this, it's like, yo, let's put all this shit together. Yep. How do you how do you guys check your ego? How do you guys do it? I look at the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Some of the joy of being in this business is like, I know I'm never going to be able to drop the producer hat. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's a good thing. Because producers make shit happen. Bro, right. And they need us, bro. They need... Like, I, I I think that's one part of um at least me burying, you know, my ego a little bit. How do you do it, Ralph? Check the ego? Yeah. I do shrooms, bro. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Why not? Uh, I check the ego every day, constantly. I don't know. I don't really compare myself anymore to anyone. That's good. I really don't. Like, maybe because, again, I'm not on the, the media programs where I'm like, damn, this nigga got this, this nigga got that. Even when they do get it, I celebrate. Like I told you yeah. last time, I'd be like, oh, I won too. Yeah. Like, nigga got this spot, I won too. I know this nigga. Yeah. yeah. I won. And more, I don't get why more people don't think like that. Yeah. I was like, it's just, it's freer. Exactly. There, there you go. go. Well, Niles and Joel are coming out with a movie 2025. Yeah. Shit. What happened? 2023. What happened to you? 2023. I like that. I'm down. Literally, uh, Vivian, our cinematographer, uh, she's been asking me what's the feature, and I don't know what it is. God I got you. I damn. got it. You ready to direct it? I got um, it. Whoosh. You wanna? Do you want to direct it? No, I want you to. Are you serious? Yeah, dude, I would love to. All right, I need somebody else to direct. I don't trust a lot of niggas, mm-hmm. but I see how you operate, how you work, and yeah. it's just like Joel Boy would kill this shit. Let's do it. But also, it's like that's like an ego thing because like somebody from home would be like, "No, nah, nigga, that's your idea. Fuck this, Joel, nigga. Yeah. How you gonna let him come in and direct this <laughs> shit? Direct your shit. Direct nigga. your shit. You, you mean you mean you gonna have your girl and he gonna come in and just fuck your girl? Exactly. That's what they do. Yeah, they do that but, shit, bro. They bring but, a girl in that bitch, bro. They always have that example. But, but I'm thinking like, no, I've seen this dude make sad ass black folk. I've seen this dude make high power. I've seen his production, how he can do this stuff. Let's link up. I know what he can do. He's directed me before. So why would, if there's anybody I'm going to go to, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like one of those things. It's like niggas can't be afraid to like team up with somebody Mm -hmm. that also does what they do. Like you never, like Mm -hmm. he might bring something to this project that I didn't even think of. Let's put this fucking podcast in a time capsule. Where niggas look back 10 years from now and be like, damn, that's That was right before we wrote it. (laughs) Well, we got to wrap this shit up. Yeah, we do. I know. Um, You heard it here first, guys, at the Higher Power Pod. They heard it. Podcast, where you can find us on (laughs) highpowerpod.com. High Power Podcast on Instagram. Follow us, like, subscribe. If you have any questions, you want to DM us with any issues and topics, maybe you didn't like what we said today, let us know. (laughs) We'll discuss it in the intro. Did I do a good job, Joel? That's pretty good. All you right. just left off the email. Uh, highpowerpod at yeah, gmail.com. There we go. Thanks, yeah. guys. See y'all next time. Peace. Peace out. Peace. This podcast is brought to you by Nostalgia, the barely FDA-approved energy drink that helps you stomach your memories. Now made with one-fourth water from that hose in Rico's backyard. Nostalgia, only available at Blockbuster. <laughs>